You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Uh, Well, I shared with the morning congregation a couple of weeks ago that there is a vast difference between Christianity and Christianity. And when I talk about Christianity, I'm not talking about the New Zealand church. Um, I'm talking about the sort of Christianity that goes like this. It's a, it's a sort of Christianity that I've just got to believe the right stuff. I've got to believe the right doctrine. It becomes brittle. It becomes hard. It becomes crusty. Christianity. And what I was saying is that uh, Christianity is not just simply adhering to the right set of beliefs. It's, it's, a, it's, it's something radically different. It's a power from outside of you. It's something that, that comes in. It's an experience. And we've been looking at different aspects of the gospel as we travel through the book of Galatians over the past couple of weeks. And tonight, that's what we look at. How do we experience the gospel? And so the basic way it's been going in the past couple of weeks, in weeks one to two, and the passage we heard from last week in chapter two, verses 11 to 21, is that we, what Paul was saying to us through his letter is that we're saved when we stop trusting in our own moral efforts to be right with God and we trust in the work of Jesus Christ. That is, the gospel is that we're not constantly asking, what would Jesus do? And think about every single action and try and replicate how he lived his life. But we ask ourselves a question, what has Jesus done? That's the gospel. Not what would Jesus do, but what has Jesus done? And then we rest on that and look at our heart motivation. And so the chapter that we'll skip over, chapter 3 tonight, has an incredible claim. It says that we're not only saved through the gospel, but we grow through the gospel. Uh, that we just don't, it's not the, it's a matter of uh, knowing the gospel, but it's about growing through the gospel and that the gospel changes us and grows us. And so Paul's summary is that both our acceptance with God and our growth in that relationship with him is based on his grace. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with our pedigree. It's got nothing to do with our practices. And so when we get to this passage, we'll read through uh, verses 26 to 29. We see the absolute high point of uh, his letter in Galatians And Paul has said that um, what he's been saying is that to Abraham, God gives a promise that he would be a blessing to all the nations and that to Moses, God gave a law which didn't nullify the promise. It didn't negate the promise, uh, but there wasn't a fulfillment. And so through Jesus Christ, God gives us the fulfillment to all that he has promised. And that basically anyone that believes in Jesus receives the promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, what does that look like in simple terms? What it's saying tonight is that through faith in Jesus, you can be adopted into God's family, through faith. And so the doctrine of adoption, perhaps the crown jewel of theology, as one author put it, is the highest privilege of the gospel. It's the apex of creation and the goal of redemption. Uh, It's something so far beyond what we've been uh, reading through and what it's teaching to us tonight that through the Son, We become God's children legally, but through the Spirit, we become God's children experientially. We feel it, we experience it. And that's what we're talking about, Christianity, not Christianity. That is, the Christian faith is not just an adherence to right religion or practices, but it's an experience. It can be an experience, and that's what I put out to you tonight. This passage shows us tonight the significance of sonship, the experience of sonship, and we're going to see it shows us the responsibilities of sonship. We'll wonder why I'm using that term. We'll get to that in a bit of a second. So if you've got your Bibles, iPhones, iPads, whatever sort of technology you're using to get the Word of God delivered to you tonight, then you can get straight to Galatians chapter 3, verses 26, and we're going to read through from chapter 4 through to verse 7. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, they're no different from a slave, although they own the whole estate. Uh, they're subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by their father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. There are rumours going right around the cafes of Potts Point, uh, the cafes of Double Bay, of Edgecliff, of Point Piper. Uh, Yes, it's true. The Packers are looking for a new school for their son, Jackson. He's all of uh, one years old, but these rumours are out there. And believe it or not, uh, that, uh, I was hearing on the radio this morning that some people are actually trying to, trying to work out which school they're going to go to so they can enrol their kid in the same school in the hope that they might become friends with young Jackson. And so uh, when they grow up, if they go to Cranbrook or whatever it might be over there on the eastern suburbs, that maybe, just maybe, uh, they'll grow up, they'll be friends with him. And maybe, just maybe, if, if they're lucky enough, um, it'll be a long-term relationship. And maybe, if, maybe if, it's, if, if it's long enough, some of the privileges, some of the blessings of one of Australia's richest family will overflow into their lives as well. Can you believe it? <laughs> now, the principle that Paul gets to tonight is uh, not much... Different. The situation's not much different. How can you say that? Look, the gospel says you are sons of God. And that's an identity statement if I've ever heard one. You're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, verse 26. And, and so right now, about half of the congregation are listening to me and saying, almost like the little girl of uh, kindergarten cop, I'm not a son, I'm a princess. <laughs> now, girls, what I, what I have to say to you tonight, girls, is that you are a son of God. And before we're too quick to substitute the language in and out here and, and, and be non-gender specific, if we do that, if we're quick in there, we miss one of the most profound statements in the entire book of Galatians. You see, we didn't have all the equal rights back then in his culture there. And see, one of the key things was that daughters didn't have a right to inherit property. And so this is an amazing statement. Paul is very deliberate when he uses this word. The gospel tells us we're all sons of God in Christ. It's saying, girls, you too are sons of God. You too are heirs to the kingdom. See why we can't translate the word out there? You are sons. And so we think, well, who cares? Why is heirs so important? Look, Paul's using a very purposed, a very specific image here. He's talking about the the concept of Roman adoption. And here as one commentator puts it, he says, the profound truth of Roman adoption was that the adoptee was taken out of their previous state and placed into a new relationship of son to his new father. All his old debts are cancelled. And in effect, the adoptee started a new life as part of his new family. 
This is an incredible thought. This is something totally uh, and utterly unique. It means you, you're the sons of God. It means that there's a, there's a legal transfer happening. One of the things is when we first hear, like we heard last week in the nosebleed theology of justification by faith alone, we, we're hearing that there's this transfer off of, 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 of sin and condemnation from, from us. But what we also don't get in that transfer, there's, a, there's not only a transfer off, but there's a transfer on. A transfer off of all the sin and condemnation and a transfer on of all the rights and the blessings and the privileges of Jesus Christ. It's utterly unique. Now where the gospel says, if you believe in Jesus, you're the sons of God. That means you're two girls. Okay. Sons of God. Now where this passage can be a little bit confusing is that uh, in, in chapters 1 to 2 of verse 4, Paul uses this metaphor of child slaves. This is what he says. He says, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Now I'm thinking, what's Paul going on about there? What he's doing is he's using an illustration to illustrate what's happening to people when they want to use obedience to God's law as as the means to being right with God. And, and what he does is he uses this illustration of a child that's heir to an estate, but he hasn't come of age yet. He's not 18 yet. He's, he's still a minor. He's like a slave. And so he still has to listen to his guardians and his trustees and he still has to do it. He's, he's, he's a child. He's, he's got heir to, heir, to the, heir to the throne, heir to the, the estate, just like Jackson Packer. He's one year old. He's, he's, got, he's got access to all the Point Piper mansions and Channel 9 and whatever stakes of Channel 10. Good old James owns. He's a son, but he's only two years old. And so his wealth is by promise, not by experience. He knows that that's his. And that's what Paul is saying is that until you come of age, you can't have access to it. And so what Paul was painting for us here is he was saying that people that live underneath the law of God, the people at the time of Moses that were living by the law, look, they knew the promise was there, but they didn't have full access to it. And there was a freedom that they were yearning for. And what's Jesus' work in all of this? The work of Jesus makes you come of age. It gives you the status of an 18-year-old. It grows you up into an understanding, not only an understanding, but an experience of your inheritance in everything that is God. You see, kids can understand their legal right, but they can't have access to, access to it unless they come of age. And so what, what Paul is describing for us and the way that Jesus works in verse 5 is that he's redeemed us from the law, but he's also given us full rights, full rights, full access, full privilege. What's, what's Jesus done? He's, he's taken heirs apparent and he's made them heir. Actually, look, you, simple terms. You know, you know what Jesus has done? He's changed our air style. Heirs <laughs> apparent to heirs actually he's changed our air style. So the work of the son is that he, simple terms, he's changed our air style. He's taken us from heirs that, that should have access to it and that we, he's saying that we should have the confidence to step into that fully tonight, today. And so whereas justification gives you the right legal standing before God, this is profound stuff. This is saying adoption goes far beyond that. It says that you've got present access to your inheritance in God right now through Jesus Christ. Privileges that we'll look at tonight, privileges of assurance, privileges of intimacy, privileges of fellowship, (laughs) privileges of inheritance. Now, here's the challenge though. We're totally loving our new hairstyle. Uh, fully adopted children of God, we, we can go backwards all the time. We can, we, can, we can slip back into that and keep living like child slaves. Why? Because look, if I came and said to you, you're a son of God, you go, well, that's nice. 
if I give you a bit of paper, yeah, that's nice, but you're not going to fully get it. You're not going to experience the rich flavours. It was like a guy that was on Sunrise the other day and he was a food specialist and he was talking about the difference between taste and flavour. I don't know if you saw this guy and he made um, melancholy eat a bit of apple and he said, you've got to hold your nose first while you eat the apple. And so when they did that, they're eating this apple and it tasted... It tasted uh, pithy and, and, and it tasted uh, really bland. And then he said, take your, take your hand off your nose. And then they began to sense the flavours and the aromas coming through. You see, God, God sends the Son to do the legal work of procuring our adoption, but through the Spirit, he brings the flavours of that out. So we see the significance of sonship, but then we also see the experience of sonship. And this is incredible. These amazing parallels happening here in verses four to five and six to seven. We see that there are two persons from God doing all this work for us. Jesus comes and he procures for us uh, the adoption into God's family, but it's something that happens externally. He goes into the world. And then you have the spirit who assures us of the adoption by moving into our hearts internally. You, you see, it's, it, it's exactly the same order. One goes external, one goes internal. And that's why we've got to ask, why do we need the Spirit? What is the work of the Spirit? Well, it became apparent to me this week as I was chatting to a lady at a wedding rehearsal and she was a non-believer and we were yakking away and she was asking me all these questions about the faith. And, and she said to me, look, yeah, I'm not a believer. Look, the, the tough thing for me is I just... I, I, I've, I think I could have faith, but I, all those stories, they just, they just don't seem real to me. How, how, do, they, how do they seem real to you? It's because I've, I've got the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to develop in us a, like a, a, a deep-seated persuasion that we really are the kids of the King, that we're children of God. That's what, this, that's what the Spirit's here to do. And why is that so important? Because, look, we, we all have this naive ability to always sort of wander back into the past as child slaves we're slow to realize that we're sons of god and we're in danger of having the mindsets of hired slaves look what does that look like one commentator sinclair ferguson said it looks a bit like this you may say in your head oh i'm a sinner saved by grace i'm simul justus et peccator last week homework i'm a child of god i get it but you don't why why is that it's because why you ask the question why is it that you feel like such a failure why is it that when you do wrong it takes you so long for you to live a normal life again why is it that you're secretly comparing yourself to other people all the time and jealousy and self-doubt you say yeah i I believe it he says no you don't you don't get it. it looks a bit like this i was just perfect this morning i'm up the back of uh I'm at the back of the auditorium and, and talk about the way that um, parents placate their kids these days. I've checked with them if it's okay to share this, and it is. Um, Shane and Sarah had lovely little six-month-old uh, Isabella up the back there. She's making a bit of noise this morning, duly noted. And, um, <laughs> and so there she is playing, and she's got Shane's debit card in her mouth. And she's waving it around everywhere, and she's drooling all over the thing, and and uh, it it was one heck of a sight. She's got it there, and I'm 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 thinking she's slobbering all over this thing. And I said, "You've got no idea what you're holding on your hands, little girl. That's that's your inheritance." <laughs> you see, she she had her inheritance, and she was using it like it was a toy. I mean, she needed, to, she needed to grow up. She needed to come into an understanding of that. She was just a six-month-old. It was right there in front of her face, but she, she hadn't been grown up. No one had come alongside her and said, hey, Isabella, this is what it's really for. 
Hey, uh, if, if, you, if you've grown up in understanding, uh, look, imagine her once she hits, hits 16, put a credit card in her hand, Shane, and see what happens then, mate. You, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's unless you've grown up by the spirit of sonship, you'll sit around like a six-month-old sucking on your inheritance, drooling all over it, having no idea what it's for. You, you, you constantly need a reminder of who you are and the inheritance that you've got in your hands tonight. You need the gospel and you need the spirit of sonship to grow you up. <laughs> you need the spirit of sonship to come and say, hey, this is, this is what it's meant to be used for. And so, look, here's the thing. If we only had the son coming into the world externally and doing all this stuff for us, then it just would be transactional. We'd have no concept of it. It would be like receiving an inheritance in the bank account and just seeing the balance sheet the whole time instead of riding on the jet ski. You see, the, the Holy Spirit is the great one that comes up to that spiritual ATM and says, look, I want to I show you how you can draw down on an inheritance that is now presently yours, if you get what I'm saying. Please don't get me wrong. It's not all a financial thing. The metaphor is a bit weak. But from a Christian's perspective, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It brings us into an experience. What does it feel like? First of all, it's intimacy. It's a feeling of intimacy. Look at verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our heart the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Now look at the word here. It says uh, call out. It doesn't quite do it justice. It means to call out passionately. <laughs> and, and, and so this, this word, it, it, it implies a close relationship with God. How? Well, well, yes, there's a cry out. There's a passionate cry out. But what, what does the Spirit cause our hearts to cry out? Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy, Papa. An address that's only reserved for the, the closest, for the most precious of relationships. And this is not some address that's reserved only you know, as a Jewish term. It, it was a loaded phrase. It's a loaded phrase that's got deep implications for our relationship with God. You know why? Because look, a, a kid doesn't, a kid doesn't at, at, at three years old, you know, little, little Daniel, is, is Isabella's brother, he, he doesn't run up to Shane and say, Father, may I have a moment of your time for a minute? No, he, he runs up, he grabs his leg, he says, Daddy, I want you. Daddy, uh, come and look at this. Daddy, come and look. That's what Paul was implying here. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it like this. Grown-ups may be standing back at a distance and being very formal with some great personage, but the little child comes running in, rushes right in and holds onto his father's legs. He has a right that no one else has. It's instinctive. We cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The experience of sonship is intimacy, daddy, papa, which leads us to the next major privilege of sonship, and that is assurance. You see, if you're crying out, Abba, Father, if you're crying out, Daddy, Papa, it means you've, you've not only got a, a, a confidence of, of God's love, but you've got a confidence in his assurance. And that's something radically different about Christianity. Christianity is the only religion in the world where you can have an assurance of the Father's love. That's what makes it so different. Now, it's one thing to, to have... A, to, to, to have assurance in the first place, but it's one thing to have different levels of assurance. And so the role of the Spirit is to come in and constantly whisper to us in those quiet moments of prayer and solitude and reading the Bible to say, you're my beloved child. I love you. I care for you. I'm here. The Spirit gives us an intimacy and assurance. And Paul is saying, once you were slaves, now you are sons, girls included. Once you were slaves, now you were son. And so Paul's saying it's dangerous stuff to go back to your past and start playing around with your past because it's going to affect who you presently are. It's going to affect who you're going to be in the future. It's the Marty McFly principle. 
You know, it's a Back to the Future principle. You know, Marty McFly in the first Back to the Future is playing Earth Angel, and as his mother's falling in love with him, he's starting to muck up his whole future, and as a result, he starts to presently disappear. He he becomes less and less. See, Marty in in playing with his past mucked up who he presently was and his future person. It was dangerous. It could have led to his death. Paul is saying it, it's Back to Back to the Future principle. Don't, don't go running back to your child slave past. You are, you are a kid of the king. You are a son of God. Don't muck it around with it. And once we begin to experience this intimacy and assurance with the spirit, only then will we begin to realign to the freedom that is promised, slaves to sons. So can you see the parallels? The work of the son, God sends into the world to give us the legal status of sonship and the work of the spirit, God sends into our hearts. It's internal so we can experience the sonship and there's no doubt that, that that's what it's all about here. There's no doubt that um, Paul is saying that we, we should approach God with a bold assurance, the same sort of assurance that Jesus had. Because Abba was the same word that Jesus used, the same level of intimacy. If the work of the Son is something done externally to us, then the work of the Spirit is internal to convince us, to move us, to exhilarate us intellectually, emotionally by the experience of the love of God. Otherwise, it just sounds a bit pithy. It tastes a bit disgusting. We want the flavours. We want the flavours of our sonship to come through. Guys, finally tonight, the responsibilities of sonship. We've seen that the, that the, the significance of sonship is that we've had a change in our style. We've, uh, by the external work of the son, then we see that there's been an experience of sonship and intimacy and assurance. The, the, the spirit grows us up that we're no longer drooling over the debit card. And tonight we ask a question, if, it's, if Christianity is an experience, where do I get it? And that can be one of the problems because um, we are very experience focused in the church these days to how the church would have been back a hundred years ago, a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, we've got a very experiential slant on our church and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there is a great spectrum of diversity in the spirit spectrum in the way that churches are these days. And so the question is, on one hand, you've got churches that are all truth and no experience. <laughs> and then you've got churches that are all experience and no truth. Which way is it? Well, hey, take a look at the connection between verses 4 and 5 and 6 to 7. Because you, you just can't separate the two. Listen to this, verse 4 to 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the full rights of son. God sends his son. And then in verse 6 to 7, because you are sons, God sends the spirit of the son into our hearts. Can you see the order there? You can't separate the two. God sends his son that you can be his son, girls included. Because And because you are sons, God sends the spirit into your heart. What, what it says to us is that we must remember that the spirit's work is because of the son's work. And what that means is a profound Christian experience is based on objective truth, not the other way around. It means we must spend time to focus and remember the work of Son and remember the role of, of the Holy Spirit. As, as J.R. Packer said, I've said it once before, the role of the Spirit is to have a spotlight ministry on Jesus. That is, if, if, if the Spirit's doing it, its work, then Jesus is illuminated. Jesus is lit up. Jesus is highlighted. Jesus is coloured. And so Christianity is not just all truth and no experience, and it's not all experience and no truth. The work of the Spirit is to take these doctrinal truths and stuff that can feel dry and pithy and make it wonderful and exhilarating and aromatic, flavoursome to the very centre of who you are. 
And so it also means, that's the first one, we must remember that the Spirit's work is because of the Son's work. That's our responsibility. The second responsibility is we're to ask the question, am I acting like a slave afraid of God or a child who is assured of the Father's love and assurance? You know, when we hear this, we ask the question, yep, I get you, I hear it. I'm hearing the sonship stuff. I'm hearing it. I'm getting it. I'm getting the doctrine. But why do I still struggle with feelings of inadequacy? Why do I still beat myself up? Why am I still dealing with negative feelings in my life? Why am I still not feeling the intimacy with God? And if it's any encouragement to you tonight, it's because you're never going to get it perfectly right. <laughs> you see, there's, there's a now but not yet of the inheritance that we're to receive there's a now but yet not yet John Stott puts it this way that we're God's children but it does not yet appear what we shall be in the future similarly Paul teaches that although we've already received the spirit of adoption we're still waiting for the full experience of our sonship for the glorious freedom of the children of God the redemption of our bodies our adoption in all its glory takes place at the final resurrection then and only then the image the family resemblance now presently under repair, will be complete. So when we believe in Jesus, we become members in his family, but in, in the fullness of these privileges, they're not going to be there until one day we meet him face to face. So in the meantime, our responsibility is to constantly focus on who we are in Jesus Christ, to not go back to the old ways, to, uh, to, to focus on who we are. And so in that way, J.I. Packer puts it, to live by faith is not a general positive attitude, but it's a deliberate attempt to fire the heart with a knowledge of who we are in Christ and to live consistently with that knowledge. Sonship, therefore, must be the controlling thought, the normative uh, category, if at every point. We've always got to come back to that. Uh, Reteach it, preach it to our own hearts. It's been the whole heart of what this series is about tonight. So, final application. Final reminder of who we are. Verse 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, you two girls, you, God has made you an heir. There is a rumour going around that through cafes, through school mothers' meetings, at rugby training, through all the great schools of the eastern suburbs, that the Packers are looking for a new school. And maybe, just maybe, if we're lucky enough, we, uh, if, uh, maybe if we moved house, or maybe if we changed the kids' school, or maybe, just maybe, someone could be friends with Jackson Packer. And maybe, must, maybe we would be lucky enough uh, if it was a good relationship and it lasted long enough that they would become good friends and all the blessings and the privileges of Australia's richest family would overflow into our lives as well. Would that be the main driver for your life? Would you, would, would you seriously do that? Would you change schools? Would you change where you live? Would you move the kids? Would you play for private school transition? Would you even send your kids to Cranbrook? Come on. Just to get on the inside, just to get access to their son. Look, guys, the good news of the gospel is tonight that is, not the, is that God gave you full access to the ultimate son. And he offers you... Not only, not only access to the Son, but he offers you the chance to be one yourself. Tonight, uh, it won't sink in until the Spirit beds that into your heart. It's not going to sit in until maybe you're driving down the highway and listening to this on podcast and your nails start to dig into the steering wheel by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about tonight is an inheritance that is so grand, so amazing, that makes Packers, Point Piper pads look like a caravan park. 
Guys, you, you have free access. You don't have to send your kids to private schools. You don't have to go to private school. You don't even have to move to the eastern suburbs. You have full access to the ultimate son and the ultimate inheritance in the universe here tonight. Is that true of your life? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you become a son by faith in him? I urge you, I plead with you. Don't go to all the other hassle. Just give up early, avoid the rush. Give your life to him tonight. And for the rest of us Christians, kids, that's the truth. You're a son of God. It's your job this week to work that into your hearts with the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't go sucking on the credit card. Uh, Move into, live, breathe the inheritance that is presently yours right now. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord God, we are talking through concepts uh, that we know for sure are beyond comprehension. I just pray uh, tonight and this week as we move out into our worlds that you give us a fresh perspective, new perspective, um, Holy Spirit perspective on the richness and the blessings that are uh, that are in you through Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, tonight, for those that have been seeking to get access, at, look, it's not into private schools, it could be into certain workplaces, it could be into certain careers, it could be into certain families. Um, Lord, for, for those that are chasing access in, into a place um, with, with, with a heart, Father, that thinks that they're, they're going to feel right and at peace, if they just make it, Lord, I pray that tonight through your Holy Spirit you might stir them and draw them close to you that they might uh, grasp the profound truth that the only access they ever would need has been blown wide open through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, that they might receive you through faith in him tonight. I just pray that they, uh, they might come and talk with one of the team and come to know what that really means for them. But for the rest of us, Lord, help us. Help us by your spirit. Help us to experience the aromas, the flavours, the experience of Christianity. In Jesus' name, amen.